friends and welcome to Sold for Soup. I'm Rich Whitman. And I'm Jennifer Whitman. This is episode 14, Spiritual Fruit of Love. There are 8 billion people living in the world today, which I can't even wrap my mind around that number. There's a lot of people. And each one of them has a common desire to love and to be loved. Everyone wants to be loved, whether it's by your spouse, your partner, a child, a parent, a pet, a relative, a friend, a colleague, Being loved and feeling like you belong is an unconscious need that goes to the core of what it means for us to be human. So for the next nine weeks, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a biblical term that sums up the nine attributes of a person living in accordance with the Holy Spirit. To sum up Galatians chapter 5, what happens when we live the way God intended or the way we were created to live? In other words, the way nature intended? is that God will bring gifts into our lives when we are living in relationship with our Creator and other people. The same way fruit appears in an orchard. So the first thing that will happen is we will develop affection for others. Which is love that we're going to talk about today. Yep. And then next, exuberant or excitement about life. Joy. Peace and fulfillment. And then a willingness to stick with things. Patience. Right. And then a sense of compassion in the heart. Which is kindness. A deep sense that sacredness permeates things and people. Generosity. And then we find ourselves in loyal commitments to other humans. Faithfulness. And then life just kind of flows more naturally. Which is gentleness. And we're able to direct our energies more wisely. Self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was asked which commandment is the greatest, his response in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven was, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he said the second commandment is, Love your neighbor as yourself. On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we use the word love pretty loosely, I'd say, in society. For instance, I love you, Jen. I love my friends. I love meat lovers pizza. But I don't love my friends the same way that I love you, and I definitely don't love pizza nearly as much. Do you see a problem? Yeah, in the English language, we tend to use the same word, love, to describe like a pretty wide variety of things and feelings. The Hebrew word for love is ahava. Its root is in giving. In order to love, we must be willing to give. What does the Bible have to say about love? Love is patient, kind, doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude doesn't insist on its own way, it keeps no record of wrong, and rejoices in the truth. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5. So I've always enjoyed those verses. And one of the things that I've done is I'll put my name before each of those words. So is Rich patient? Is Rich kind? Does he envy or boast? Is he arrogant or rude? Does he insist on his own way? Does he keep records of wrong? Does he rejoice in truth? That's a great way to evaluate one's behavior. Yeah, and I think it's a great lead-in to what we're going to talk about today. So there are four different words for love in the Hebrew and Greek language, depending on the situation. They are ahav, hesed, agape, 
and philo. So let's first talk about ahav. It appears 208 times in the Old Testament, and it describes a deep emotional bond. You are likely thinking of this word when you think of traditional love. Ahav is a connection between a husband and wife, a parent and a child, two best friends, even between a person and God. This is the word used when describing Abraham's love for his son Isaac in Genesis 22 too, or Jacob's love for his wife Rachel in Genesis 24 67. What about the second one, hesed? So hesed love is one of my favorite words in the entire Bible. It appears 248 times in scripture, and it is the predominant way that God describes his love for us in the Old Testament. Hesed is different from ahav in that it depends not on a deep emotional bond, but faithfulness and covenant choice. This word is often translated as mercy, faithfulness, and dedication to his people. The third one is agape, and I actually know this. I've heard of this one. Agape love appears 142 times in the New Testament and is considered the best Greek word for God's love. This word means to show honor, affection, kindness, and goodness, not because of a deep emotional connection necessarily, but rather out of integrity. It chooses to show love regardless of whether it is reciprocal or not. It is unconditional love. Undeserved by the receiver, agape love is the love God has for us. John 4, 8 says that God is love. This love is what Jesus commands us to have for God and one another. Yeah, and I think agape love probably is the best description of the kind of love that we share for our children. And then we have philo. So the city of Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Why is that? It is because of this Greek word philo. Philo occurs 25 times in the New Testament. It is the love you have for a friend or sibling. It is an affection for someone dear to you. This goes beyond casual acquaintances or love for humanity in general. This love takes ownership and says, you are my family now. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's from Romans 12.10. Notice how it says, outdo one another in showing honor. This love is committed to choosing you as a new member of my family and being committed to honoring you as I would my own siblings. So Jen, what are the health benefits of love? We talked about a lot of the benefits last week, and I feel like it's kind of similar here as what we talked about last week. So go listen to last week's podcast if you haven't. Over the past three years, one of the things that's really weighed heavily on me is it seems that on social media, there's been promoting or kind of glamorizing this life of solitude. Like it's more peaceful or serene or easy. This idea like protect yourself or protect your peace and maybe cut anyone out of your life who disturbs your peace which isn't necessarily a negative thing. You know, if there is someone who really is disturbing your peace, it's not necessarily a negative thing to distance yourself from them. Relationships can be messy. So anytime you're in relationship with people, don't you think you're going to have times where there's going to be some stressful things that happen? Yeah. And in marriage, love is work. Like it takes, it takes effort on both of our parts to, work through the messy days that we have, work through the disagreements we have, and still come out on the other side loving one another. Yeah. So I feel like I'm straying a little bit from my typical things that I talk about, but this is something that I think is really important for people's health and is that you just need to maintain healthy relationships if you're constantly cutting off a person anytime there's strife, you're going to end up finding that you're alone there's always going to be strife in relationships. And so I think that it takes maturity to understand that and to work through that. 
it's really important to understand that it is in our DNA. It is what we are created for to be in relationship with one another. This quickness to cut people off, I think is not healthy. Human relationships are always going to be a little messy, like I said. So I feel like it takes wisdom and patience to cultivate relationships. And so it's important that we understand how God intended them to be so that we can persevere um, and have patience. And those fruits of the Spirit are really necessary in order to maintain relationships. So we're going to talk about that some more over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think anxiety can cause people to to become isolated also. And I right. think we've seen that, especially during the few years that we had COVID, there was a lot of people isolating themselves. And, you know, maybe it wasn't always because of... Of a strife that happened in the relationship. Right. Right. So the flip side of that, of cutting someone off because of something they did, is feeling sometimes like you're not worthy or you're not strong enough or whatever that feeling might be that where that anxiety is rooted in. But anxiety can definitely cause people to isolate themselves. And there's no quick or easy answer to that. I think if you take the time, though, to really just focus on the words that we were talking about really about love and see the value in life and other people that can flow over to valuing your own life enough that you would allow yourself to step out and be vulnerable enough to make baby steps toward connection, make a commitment to love someone who is as flawed as you are. That's a good place to start. That is a principle you touched on today when we were talking about agape love. And it will move us toward deeper relationships and ultimately growth. I saw a post this week on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere where it said, there's no one I relate to less than me in my 2008 Facebook status post. And I just thought it was so funny because if you ever go back and see your Facebook memories from if you were alive in 2008, sometimes they're cringy because you think like, who was I then? And I, I have grown a lot. 2008 me was a different person. And the reason I've grown a lot is because I'm in relationship with other people and other people help me grow and become a better person. And so I think without relationships, we maybe can avoid pain or strife at times. The reason to put up with that pain and strife is that we are just simply no good alone. So take a minute and think about the person who loves you the most. Now, think about the person that you love the most. I think it's important that we communicate that love to each other. So, Jen, I love you. You know that? I love you, too. Thank you. You know what that sound means. It's time to draw a name from our hat. What are we giving away this week? Uh, We're going to give away another Sold for Soup hat. All right. Here we go. I'm drawing a name. And we have Laura Flazar. Congrats, Laura. You're getting a hat. Jen, what was your favorite thing about this week? Hmm. We went to Elijah's girlfriend's graduation and it was, and then we had a little party here. So that was really fun. That was my favorite part. So my favorite part about this week was that our son, and I'm not necessarily allowed to disclose this information, so I won't tell you where, but he did get his first official adult job and we're super proud of him and excited for him. Yay. Okay, Rich, what do you know about joy? It's kind of silly, but I always think about that Rob Bass song. Joy and pain, sunshine and rain. So for me, joy isn't, it can't just be based on my circumstances. If I'm really going to have true joy, it has to be deeply rooted in me. Does that make sense? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, follow us on Instagram, Sold for Soup, and Twitter. 
sold for soup. And we have our website. Tell someone you love them and go get healthy. Peace out.